Hey everybody, this is Steve Riley from LA Guns and you're watching CMS TV. Peace. Chris Aiken right here on Chris Aiken Presents. Glad to be back, and uh, I'm always glad to be back when I've got a legend on the phone. Uh, we, we're going to be talking about their brand-new release, More Inspirations. The band, of course, is Saxon, and here to talk all about it is the man himself, Mr. Biff Byford. Biff, how are you, sir? Uh, good, yeah, good. I'm just getting over COVID. Uh, I got it pretty bad, actually, last uh, last week. But, uh, yeah, get, feeling a bit better today. Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah, I, I had it a, a year and a half ago myself. It is not fun, is it? <laughs> no, it's the second time about it. So, yeah, pretty, pretty bad. I mean, when you get it on tour, it's quite bad. Sure. You know, because uh, you can't really relax very much. You're in a very closed environment on the tour balls and dressing rooms and things. So, uh, so yeah, we, we, uh, we sort of postponed three or four shows right. uh, in Germany. Right. Yeah. Well, you'll get them back. I mean, because that's you're you're Saxon. That's what you guys do. You overcome. <laughs> yeah, never surrender. Exactly right, man. Well, Biff, what we're here to talk about today is your your new release, More Inspirations. It's kind of the sequel to um to the original Inspirations record. And um, I, I'm gonna take a guess here on this one, and tell me if I'm right or wrong, but. I find this one more inspirations to be more of the less common songs than the first incarnation. First incarnation was a lot more commoner songs that, that a lot of people have covered over the years because they are inspirational and they have moved you guys as musicians where I think a lot of these songs are not necessarily the, the hits from these bands and, and are a little more obscure, which is, is a great listen. Is, is that fairly accurate? Yeah, I think I think that the first inspirations was quite, uh, you know, well, who who uh, you know who inspired us, who influenced us in particular. Okay. Um, and I suppose those bands that are on the first one are the more common bands, obviously. Sure. Uh, and they were obviously the most popular, so the the you know the influences probably uh, you know probably stronger than the other ones did. But when you think about it, and uh, you do a second one. I mean, we could do five or six of these things because there's so many bands from that period that inspired us and influenced us. It's it's sort of endless. So um, 
Yeah, I, I think that the second one, I delved more deeper into our sort of psyche a little bit more. I made a list of, of tracks that, uh, you know, I thought uh, the band would like really. So I sent it off to the band and they got back to me and, uh, you know, said, yeah, this is great, this is great. You know, Nigel said, you know, I'd like a Kiss song because, you know, I was really into Kiss back in the day and it probably still is, I don't know. But, um, sure. So I put in Detroit Rock City, it's my favourite Kiss song. I mean, I was never in the Kiss army. I was never really a, a massive fan of Kiss. I mean, I do like the band and I sort of respect what they've done, but Nigel was a big Kiss fan. So. Sure. Things like that, really. You know, the, the, the every song has something connected to it, really. Right on. Now, for was this all recorded at one time, or was this two separate sessions that you you decided to do the second one because you felt so good about the first one? Or yeah, we did the first one in lockdown. Uh, you know, quite early in lockdown, okay. uh, we were able to uh, put ourselves in a bubble. In a, in a house, uh, six of us there, the band and the engineer. And, uh, yeah, we did that one. But the second album we did a little bit later uh, without the restrictions. So we were able to do it uh, in my studio uh, at home. So, um, yeah, pretty much the same, though. Same engineers, same equipment, same guitar, same guys. So sure. Really, uh, same microphones, you know. So just the location was different. I don't think that really... Uh, uh, I don't think that really, apart from maybe the drum sound, I don't think that really affects the sound of the band really. Sure. No, I, I just didn't know if you had, when you first had the idea to do Inspirations, if you just did 30 songs and just were like, well, this is too much to release, but obviously. No, no, we back. didn't. No, we just did. No, we did 10 songs uh, for the first one. And then we did, uh, you know, a few more uh, for this one, really. I mean, we did have a few songs that were, uh, we tried and weren't really, uh, you know, because you, you have to try these songs live first, I think, in a rehearsal room mm. to see if you can, uh, you know, transpose them into our style. Uh, some of them are easy and some of them aren't. So uh, I think um, I think the, the name of the game is you just try the songs and if they sound great, then we do it, yeah? Sure. Um, but there's no songs there that people didn't know, you know? Mm-hmm. Certainly. Now for you, I mean, the, the obvious title is inspirations and then more inspirations. What is it that you take away from a song or these songs that is the inspiration? Is it a certain style of singing? Is it the musicianship that kind of put the whole focus of what Saxon was to become into your head? I mean, what inspiration specifically do you pull from? Well, it, it, yeah, a, a lot of it is down to influences as well. It's just not as good a word as inspirations. Okay. Uh, so I think each song, like I said, each song, you know, the Alice Cooper song, for instance, uh, you know, when we had an, Amer an American car in the, in the 70s and in the glove compartment when we bought it, there was three uh, eight-track cassettes. One of them was Easy Top Fandango. One was uh, Lou Reed, the live album. Okay. And uh, the other one was from the inside, Alice Cooper. So we listened to those three, al three albums because the only eight track we had in the car. So <laughs> <laughs> we listened to them over and over again. Brilliant albums, by the way. I mean, you couldn't really get much better albums than that to listen to it late at night driving back from a, from a gig. So, uh, 
Yeah, and in, in one of the songs that Alice, you know, sings, uh, fading away, slowly fading away, like denim and leather. And it's the first time I heard those two songs, uh, two two words put together. And, uh, you know, five or six years later or six, seven years later, I, I used it in one of our songs, denim and leather, which is probably, uh, you know, I mean, people, you know, like American people probably hear that song and don't even know it's a Saxon song, but, um, you know, it's... Uh, it just comes back again, so you know, an influence really quite important album for me. That, sure. Obviously, were were any of the songs that were chosen on on either of the inspirations uh, songs that really challenged you vocally that you really had to really work to hit the notes the way you wanted to, just because you don't normally sing yeah, that I way. Think, I think they're all challenging, actually. Like the first one and the second one, they're all challenging. Eric Burden, you know singing uh, uh we gotta get out of this place that's quite high register sure. um you know there's a, there's two octaves going on there so yeah i mean they are quite challenging uh i'm just looking at my voice as that has a good range you know i'm able to sing uh you know quiet i'm able to sing full on loud you know i'm able to sing those higher octaves so really lucky really uh that i'm able to do that but um it's great fun you know to uh to push your voice and see if you can, uh, it's all about the performance. Like it, like it probably was when they first, uh, when they first sort of, uh, recorded them, you know? Right. Certainly. I, I, I'm always curious uh, with, with singers like yourself, um, Biff, your voice and, and you're one of the very, very few, I mean, you know, you know, this as well as anybody, the bands that came up when you did, or even 10 years after you did, their voices generally are not there anymore. They're not the same. Your voice, it, it's really kind of unique. You can listen to Carpe Diem and then you can listen to Crusader. Your voice is almost dead on the same. What is it that you've been able to do to keep your voice so tuned? Is it just because you guys are always performing? It's like a well-worked muscle that never but it is a well-worked muscle, obviously. Uh, as anybody, uh, everybody who's a singer, it's a well-worked muscle. But, so, uh, right. you know, the I don't know, really. I mean, it all comes from here, you know, this, this area here and from the diaphragm. Uh, you know, you can sing in your head voice, which is like more like the Bon Scott style. Uh, sure. So I think over the years, you learn to do that. So you can move your voice around in different from different parts of, uh, you know, where the air comes from, where the voice actually resonates in your in your body. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's just a technique that you learn, I suppose. And uh, I was lucky enough to learn that technique, uh, you know, fairly early on. I suppose, you know, you know, I stopped smoking and, uh, and cavorting around and things. So I suppose that helps a bit as well, you sure. know, not smoking because that can uh, – that can really, uh, you know, if you're chewing and smoking, that can really harm your vocal cords. You can feel, well, I mean, even if you don't sing, I don't know if you smoke, but people who, who smoke or have smoked know the feeling in the sure. morning after you've been out with, you know, your friends and you smoked a 20-pack or something. The next <laughs> right. day you feel like, you know, your mouth is like at the bottom of a birdcage. <laughs> so and you know, it's difficult to sing in those circumstances over and over and over again you know sure uh, so and i suppose that's you know the, the heavy liquor you know 
Sir Jack Daniels, I suppose, in your part of the world, yeah. it, it's not great for your uh, for your voice. Right. Um, it, it might be great for your voice when you get drunk, you know, and you can <laughs> like sing. But I think if you drink it neat, you know, on the rocks, it, it can it can burn your vocal cords. I think so. You have to be careful. You know? Sure. Have you ever? I, I've just never heard this. Have you ever had to? Had vocal problems where you had to stop for a while or had to have polyps removed or anything like that? No, I haven't, no. I, I, in the 80s, I, I, I got quite ill a couple of times with uh, uh, a couple of bad uh, throat infections. Right. But um, but luckily, no, I, I've not really had uh, any really bad ones. You know, nothing, nothing to be operated on voice-wise. Well, let's, let's knock wood not that that yet. never happens. <laughs> Let's hope so. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, um, uh, Biff, one of the things that you did with more inspirations is, uh, something you've been doing a little bit recently, you know, which is working with your son. And, um, I have to imagine that's in one sense, I work with my son in my other life. And I know in one sense, there's a great source of pride seeing your kid kind of taking up the, you know, carrying it on more or less. And the other sense, it's frustrating as hell sometimes because it's like, no, that's not how I would do it. You know, how is it for you working with your son? It's pretty good, actually. You know, he's, um, he, he learns really quickly and, um, you know, he's pretty good at, uh, you know, the, you know, he loves the analog gear and he, and he, he knows how to work the set of, you know, the pro tools and the logic. So it's pretty good. You know, he's, he's learned himself up to a level now. So, we can work together, and he can he can engineer uh, the 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 albums with the vocals. You know, I can do vocals with him, which is uh, very hard to record vocals. I think you have to have the right you have to have the right uh, equipment and know how to use it. So yeah, it's pretty good actually. You know, and he knows he knows me anyway. We know each other really well, so. You know, he knows when I'm faking it, when I'm not pushing it. You know, so <laughs> it's pretty good actually. I mean, I. Uh, you know, when he's doing his demos for his band, you know, I help him out and do things. But um, sure. he can pretty much do it all himself now. He's pretty, pretty accomplished, right? Uh, you know, engineer and producer, really. You know? Is it easy for you to take direction from him when he's like, "No, not good enough. Do it again." Yeah, definitely. Yeah, okay. yeah. You have to put yourself in that position where you know, you, I, I work a lot one on one with uh, with engineers and producers. You know, with okay. Andy Sneak, I work one on one with him lots and. Uh, you know, it, it's always, uh, you know, I mean, the vocal, vocals are always a sort of nearly 99% of one-on-one -on -one, uh, situations. So people get quite involved and quite close to what you're doing, you know. So, I mean, Seb's a great singer anyway uh, okay. in his own right. So, yeah, we work well together. It works really well. And, uh, you know, he likes it. He obviously, you know, we pay him for that. So he likes that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, Biff, why don't we take a little break here? I'm going to, I'm going to give everybody uh, some Saxon. Some, I'm going to, I figure we play a video from Carpe Diem, which was a great record if people missed it because of the stupid pandemic, but um, you, you put out this video for the pilgrimage, which is just fun. So tell us a little bit about this, but to lead us into it. Well, the, the song, the song is about, um, it's basically it's based around the word pilgrimage. You know, I'm a big, I'm a, I'm a big sort of, I like words, basically. And, uh, yeah. you know, uh, uh, so, yeah, I, I just saw all pilgrimage. You know, many, many people think pilgrimage is like a medieval pilgrimage, you know, going off to, 
Mecca or going off to, you know, uh, some church or going off to Jerusalem. But actually, uh, pilgrimage, you know, we've all been on pilgrimages. I'm sure you can go, you know, people go to see Hendrix's grave or Jim Morrison's, and that's sure. a pilgrimage as well. And I think people go to huge festivals, and that's a pilgrimage. I mean, you know, there are many things, you know, to go to a place that you're enlightened in is, is, is the word, the meaning behind the pilgrimage. So uh, I just wrote a song, basically it's in three stages, you know. It's uh, the first one could be medieval, you know, and then it moves through, you know, music icons, which is obviously that part of it. And uh, the, the sort of going to, a, 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 you know, going to a, a show is, is in some ways a, a, a pilgrimage. And that's really what the song's about, you know. All right. Well, let's check it out right now. This is the video for The Pilgrimage. It's Saxon right here on Chris Aiken Presents. Right back here on Chris Aiken Presents. That, of course, was the Mighty Saxon with the pilgrimage from Carpe Diem. Make sure you check that one out after you check out More Inspirations, which is the, the current release from Saxon. <laughs> and um, Biff, let's dig into the record a little bit. Um, first and foremost, I love the choice of the faith healer. Uh, Sensational Alex Harvey Band never gets enough love. It's, it's almost a forgotten band here in the States. Um what what's the backstory to choosing this this i mean how big of an alex harvey band fan are you or were you uh well, well i used to go see them live all the time uh me and paul all banded actually they were great um they're fantastic live band very 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 theatrical and um you know the each individual person had his own look i mean you can check them out on youtube you do have some old videos there you know, live shows that, uh, you know, you've got the guitarist who dressed like a clown, you know, and the sort of bass player dressed a little bit like a sort of, uh, you know, like a superhero type thing. So, yeah, I mean, Alex himself was more of a pirate-looking guy. So, I mean, the whole, whole thing was very theatrical. And uh, they used to start their show with uh, the Faith Healer. And it's such a brilliant uh, opening, you know. Uh, I just love the whole song. And the uh, band, I was, I was very influenced by him and the band okay uh, uh, so yeah it, it had to go on it's my favorite alex harvey track i think there's another couple one called next and one called vambo they're pretty cool but i think faith Healer is their signature song really for their fans absolutely it's a great it's a great tune and you guys do a great job with it and the other thing i wanted to ask you about obviously now when you do any kind of a tribute thing in the metal world it's almost a requirement to do a Dio fronted song, whether it's, 
you know, rainbow or Dio or even a black Sabbath, you know, it's all, it's, it really has become almost a requirement. Now I'm sure you knew Ronnie. I'm positive that you, you know, cross paths many times. What influence did, did Ronnie James Dio have on you as a musician, as a vocalist, or even as a person? Well, yeah, I mean, I did, I did hear a uh, Dio. I mean, the first time I heard Ronnie was on, on a, uh, an album called Butterfly Ball, I think that, um, I think Roger Glover had something to do with it. I think there's various singers, various musicians. So that's the first time I heard him sing. Uh, so, you know, I thought then he got a great voice. Uh, I think, you know, him and sort of Glenn Hughes were around at that time. Right. Uh, doing their thing. You know, uh, Glenn was in Trapeze, I think. So, you know, I was a big fan of Trapeze as well. Uh, in fact, we did try a Trapeze song for this album, actually. Come okay. to think of it, but that's... That's another story. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, and then I, I met him. Uh, we did a tour with Black Sabbath in America with Black Sabbath and Blue Oyster called, called the Black and Blue Tour. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that was the official, I mean, that's the official title, but it certainly was the Black and, Black and, you know, Black and Blue Tour. But I met both bands, you know, Blue Oyster Cult and uh, uh, Black Sabbath at that time. Uh, so yeah, I met Renner there, and then we became sort of you know, friends really. We'd meet in airports and check each other out and uh, do a few shows together. So yeah, I was quite friendly with Ronnie. He was a nice guy. Just tell some great stories. A good joke teller. Ronnie. Sure. And uh, such a fan- such a fantastic voice. And uh, we toured with Rainbow in uh, in the early not probably nineteen eighteen, might even been seventy nine. But we were pretty big in in uh, UK at that time. And uh, we did some huge shows with Rainbow. But Ronnie wasn't singing. It was the other guy. Uh, since you've been on that period, Grand Bonnet, yeah, Grand Bonnet, yeah, yeah, you know, I think they only did a couple of uh, yeah. couple of things with them, and uh, yeah, they kicked us off the tour, which is uh, which is pretty great for us because we got tons of press, <laughs> 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 and uh, people said, Oh, you're going down to well, I was like, Yeah, we probably were, yeah, uh, but um, you know, uh, yeah, so you know, it, it was it was do a song from Rainbow and do a song that Ronnie did in right. Rainbow, sort of sort of covered two things. I mean, I mean, we like, we love Rainbow. It's just that um, uh, Richie didn't want us on the tour anymore. So yeah, I believe Richie, I can't. Yes, he didn't believe- even ask us to leave it. We turned up at Wembley and we just weren't allowed in. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> That's funny. Well, well, Biff, obviously, man, the big news out of the Saxon camp recently has been Paul Quinn's decision to stop touring. And I've been following it. I saw that he's still going to be involved, you know, when you write and stuff and that you're talking about bringing in somebody that people are going to know as a guitar player. And I won't ask you about that. What I, what I am curious about is does Paul leaving basically mean that we won't get another full U.S. run until you do a new record because you got to kind of work your way in with the new guy. Well, um, well, Paul hasn't, um, I mean, the thing is, you know, Paul's been thinking about doing this for quite some time, actually. So it's not really a surprise for the band and, and the, and, you know, the Saxon camp. Okay. He's been thinking about, uh, stepping back from touring for quite some time. And, uh, he always sort of changed his mind and did the tours. So, you know, we have talked about it with Paul, so it wasn't as big a surprise as probably people think it was. Um, I mean, you know, when he did it, obviously, 
you know, was a bit of a surprise. But um, sure, yeah, we have talked about it. So we have like uh, talked to other people before about maybe stepping in and doing shows and taking post plays. So it's not so much of a big deal for uh, you know the organisational thing. It's just we're really sad that obviously he's not going to be touring with us anymore. It's quite sad. So sure, we're you know, but. Uh, yeah, we'll be moving on. If we get offered a tour of America uh, before before this year, then okay. we'll ask Paul if he wants to do it. If he doesn't want to do it, then somebody else will do it. So that's that's how it, it will work, you know. Right. Uh, I mean, we could we could. I'm not going to tell you who. So there's no. No, no, no. I'm not me. asking. I'm not asking. But uh, you know, I mean, we might put we might tell you tomorrow. I mean, we might put a press release tomorrow. We might put a press release out in July. I don't know. I mean, there's no. We're not actually doing any shows. Uh, until July officially, so okay. um, you know we've got plenty of time. You know, with it, obviously there's lots and lots of guitarists been in touch with us. Uh, some of them we're friends with, and some of them we're not. So uh, we'll make it make a decision uh, later. I think it's important. I mean, there are lots of young younger guitarists that are obviously capable of doing the gig. Sure. But we want somebody that's, uh, you know, known, I think. But that, that doesn't mean to say that's going to happen. You know, we might change our mind. I don't know. But at the moment, I'm just thinking somebody that's known, uh, you know, to, to the fans. So I don't think at this point in time, somebody will join permanently. Okay. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Somebody will stand, stand in the post position until, we, uh, until at such time we decide, really. Sure. Is it going to be weird for you? Just, just because, I mean, there's been member changes, obviously, in Saxon, but you and Paul have been the guys. I mean, you guys have been from, I think, from day one, it's been you and him, right? Yeah, definitely. Has. And, uh, you know, Nigel came along in sort of 80, in 81, no, 80, I think Nigel came along in 1981. So, right. um, yeah, definitely. It's going to be strange, you know, but it's like everything. You know, things move on, you know, that that's how it goes, you know. I mean, I'm sure it must have been strange for, for Rob to look over and not see KK. Sure. You know, or uh you know, or uh, you know, some of the guys in Maiden to look over and not see Bruce when he left. So it you know, it, you know, the band just moves on, you know. It, it's uh you know, it's just uh I think all you put in, uh people have to be proficient with that. Uh, not just the band, but the fans as well, you know. Right on. But the thing is with Paul, he's, 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 he's irreplaceable. He's a fantastic guitarist. There is no doubt about it, uh, you know. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's very, very, very underrated, really sure. underrated. But, you know, you know, probably probably now he's leaving people to listen to him a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, while they're listening, they should definitely listen to the the new release, which is called More Inspirations. It is out now, I believe. I think it came out today, actually. So um it's out today. It is out today. Yeah. Yeah. So people definitely go. Everything to comes out on a Friday. Yeah. That's right. So everybody should be streaming it today while they order it wherever where should they go to to order it biff do you know well you can go onto our facebook site you know uh saxon you can go onto our website it's all over the place uh you just put in saxon uh just put in saxon um, put in saxon more inspirations it'll come up you can stream it on all the all the formats you can get okay. the vinyl you can buy the cd you can yeah. do anything you want really it's all there 
Excellent. Well, let's so, encourage yeah. him to buy it, not stream it. That way you guys at least make something. So, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, I'll show you, I'll show you. I've got yeah, one sure. here. I was listening to it yesterday. Look, that's it. That's the, that's one of the sleeves. There you go. That's the old one. This is the new one. So yeah, good. There we go. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Biff, one more time, the album, more inspirations. It is out now. Go and get it. And Biff, thanks so much for joining me here on Chris Aiken presents. Yeah, brilliant. Anytime, mate. It's always good to talk to uh, over the water and Absolutely. hopefully we'll get some uh, dates together. That would be great. Well, I look forward to seeing you once again here in Cleveland, my friend. Let's